0: Hey, everybody. Before we start today's podcast, there was something that Denise and I wanted to share with you guys that a listener named Sean shared with me late last night. It was after I'd already edited this episode and had it ready to load up. So I didn't know exactly where to throw it in. So I thought I would throw it in at the very beginning. But apparently we caught an EVP, possibly. While we were doing our lighthouse tour I'm going to go ahead and play the segment here We are currently still trying to debunk it and Making sure that nobody who was standing Around us said anything But I'm pretty positive that if we'd Heard somebody around us make the Comment that this EVP appears To make we would have reacted to it In some way so I'm going to play it And we'll see what you guys think um, <laughs> Throw hat. No. Knock hats off. No, he doesn't poke people. Don't tell me he pokes people. Something already poked me. But with ladies, he's much more favorable. Pretty weird, huh? Gonna play it again. Um, Throw hats. No. Knock hats off. No, he doesn't poke people. Don't tell me he pokes people. Something already poked me. But with ladies... He's much more favorable. And one more time for good measure. Um, Throw hats. Knock hats off. No, he doesn't poke people. Don't tell me he pokes people. Something already poked me. But with ladies, he's much more favorable. What the listener thinks he hears, what I think I hear, and what Denise thinks she hears is it was me. Right after the laughing part, there's this, it was me. It has a kind of hissing sound to it. So it doesn't strike me as completely human. And I don't remember hearing anybody say it. So it doesn't seem like it was something that was audible. Denise thinks she might have heard it though audibly. So we're not sure, but kind of weird. So what do you guys think? let us know either in the comments at the website underneath this episode over at the spectacular crew email us do you guys hear it or do you just think it was something else that we picked up
1: history tells the story of the world and of our lives Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump Podcast.
0: Hello you spectacular people. Welcome to this 77th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host Diane. And this is Denise. And as people might be able to tell, Denise is a bit under the weather for this show. So you've got the husky cold voice going on. As
1: Diane likes to call it, the sexy voice. <laughs> and little side note there, when we had our foster son, the one time he had a cold and he was like, Hey, Mom died. Do I sound sexy? (laughs) And I laughed hysterically.
0: Well, this evening, we don't have a very sexy story. No, we don't. We are going to be talking about Takita Castle and one of its most famous residents, Elizabeth Bathory. A lot of people know her as the Blood Countess. But was she really? We'll find out as you join us with the history and hauntings of this location and Madam Bathory. Before we get into that, we'd like you to check out our website at HistoryGoesBump.com. And Denise, if anybody wants to get a hold of us, where can they do that? At HistoryGoesBump at gmail.com. We have some more people to welcome into the Spooktacular crew. Mary has joined us. Hello, Mary. Jameson. Hey, Jameson. Gina. Hello, Gina. John. Hello, John. And Jeanette. And Jeanette, hello. Thank you to all of you for joining us. And Denise, we got some more reviews over at iTunes. Okay. We have a couple of five-star reviews. And then I guess since we didn't have the full series of five-star, four-star, three-star, two-star, one-stars, a couple of people decided to help us fill those in. So we actually got a one-star review and a two-star review. The one-star review, no comment dropped. I've been waiting And it hasn't happened. So apparently they didn't have the stones to tell us why they gave us a one-star review. Two-star review. Disappointed. Crombie3. After reading all the great reviews, I expected something better. Sound quality is terrible.
1: Well, thank you, Crombie3. We always appreciate
0: the opinions, whatever they might be. Well, thank you for your opinion, Crombie. Sherry Switzer. Or is it Switzer? Favorite podcast? Five stars. This is my first ever podcast review. I learned about History Goes Bump from Patrick Keller's Big Seance podcast. I binged on all the back episodes and this quickly became my favorite podcast. The stories are well-researched, well-written, and I love learning new info about the history of a place as well as the story of the haunt. I love the great chemistry between the hosts and I look forward to each new episode with Denise and Diane sipping my coffee on my morning or middle of the night commute to work. And the sound quality is very good even on the road trips, which is important for me in a podcast. Keep up the awesome work, ladies. Thank you so much, Sherry. JC 1993. This is a great podcast, Five Star. I found this podcast while looking to satisfy some curiosity about the Winchester House, which did make an appearance in our mysterious podcast, and have been hooked ever since. Diane and Denise are delightful hosts, and their enthusiasm is evident from the first moments. I look forward to this on my half-hour drive to work. Puts me in a great mood to start the day. Keep them coming.
1: And thank you for that review. I just want to do a side note on that is when I did the tour of the Haunted Mansion, or if you ever get to go to the Haunted Mansion at Walt Disney World, the staircase room was inspired by the Winchester House. So just some fun Disney trivia.
0: Denise, Transylvania and that surrounding area is a great place to go when we're looking at Halloween, which is why we have picked this location. Again, we got struck down a little bit when it comes to the hauntings. Not a whole lot of haunting activity going on there, but the legend that surrounds Elizabeth Bathory is well worth being part of History Ghost Bump. I believe it is. So let's find out more about it. Okay, and before we get started, I just want to put out a thank you to
1: Rachel Hoare for your research assistance on this show. Indeed. Thank you very much.
0: Become an executive producer of the History Goes Bump podcast for as little as a buck a month. For $5 a month, you can access exclusive content like the Haunted True Crime bonus cast. And for $10 and above a month, you get all that plus awesome History Goes Bump gear Check out patreon.com slash History Goes Bump for more information. Or you can give us a one-time donation by clicking the donate button at historygoesbump.com.
1: War sometimes brings us some of the strangest stories in history. The year was 1795 and it was a very cold January in Den Helder, which was part of the United Provinces. Today, we call the United Provinces the Netherlands. The French Revolutionary Army was making advances into this area and a group of French hussars, which is the term used for light cavalry, were ordered to capture Den Helder. Johan Willem de Winter led his men with plans to keep the Dutch ships from running to their ally, Britain. When the cavalry arrived, they found a very bizarre scene that was quite fortuitous. Ice had solidified around the Dutch fleet and the ships were stuck. The Hussars quickly surrounded the ships and forced the Dutch sailors to surrender. The fact that a cavalry charge was able to catch a fleet of ships is not only the only time this has happened in recorded history, but it is also quite odd. the lights the party's just getting started
0: this day in history this day in history is brought to us by our research assistant Jessica Bell on this day october 21st in 1833 alfred nobel was born in stockholm sweden alfred was most interested in literature chemistry and physics Rather than being able to pursue a career in literature, he was sent abroad to study and to become a chemical engineer. While in Paris, Alfred became very interested in nitroglycerin and how it could be used in construction work. He worked together with his father to develop nitroglycerin as a commercially and technically useful explosive. Unfortunately, these experiments resulted in accidents that killed several people, including Alfred's younger brother, Emile. Alfred found, through his experiments, that mixing nitroglycerin with a fine sand would turn the liquid into paste, which could be shaped into rods. These rods could then be inserted into drilling holes. He named it dynamite, and he also invented a detonator or blasting cap, which could be set off by lighting a fuse. Alfred was able to put up factories in more than 20 countries as the product became very much in demand. He was once described as Europe's richest vagabond. By the time Alfred died in San Remo, Italy on December 10, 1896, he had over 355 patents. In his last will and testament, he wrote that much of his fortune, approximately 265 million U.S. dollars, was to be used to give prizes to those who have done their best for humanity in the fields of physics, chemistry, physiology, or medicine, literature, and peace. His will was opposed by his relatives and questioned by authorities in various countries. In 1901, the first Nobel Prizes in physics, chemistry, physiology, or medicine and literature were awarded in Stockholm, Sweden, and the Peace Prize in Christiania, now Oslo, Norway. You're listening to History Goes Bump.
1: The Chakita Castle was once home to Baroness Elizabeth Bathory. She came from a family known for their cruelty to the peasantry, and she possibly witnessed incredible violence from the time she was a child. Is this what led her to be called the Blood Countess? Was she truly the most prolific female serial killer of all time? Or was she given a bad rap so that others could have her power and possessions? The castle is a magnificent structure that may house the energy of intense emotions and pain. Has the energy led the structure to become haunted? Does Madame Bathory still walk its halls? Come with us as we look at the history and the hauntings of Chequita Castle and Madame Bathory.
0: Chiquita Castle originally belonged to Peter and Pongrak from the hunt Poznan family. The castle was built in the 13th century and is located in the Little Carpathian's where it is isolated amongst the hills and its surrounding village is isolated as well. It was built to defend the western end of Hungary. The castle was built on limestone rock and made defensible by the sheer drop on three sides. What type of rock? Limestone. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> the castle itself was made from stone and mortar, two building materials that do not stand the test of time and the castle has eroded. After it was abandoned, it quickly began to fall into ruin. The top floor was stuccoed on the interior and covered in frescoes. A few of those last today. There were four levels with the dungeon in the bottom level. The castle had a connected manor house and though not ornate, it was decorated with fine tapestries and the food was served on plates of silver and gold. And Denise, this afternoon, I watched a video of an urban explorer. And although the castle is in ruins, you can imagine that at one time, it was really a magnificent building. And, you know, it had this tower, which is going to show up later on in this story. And it really did have a great defensive position because when you watch some of the old movies about old war and how they would climb the castles and everything, there was no way to do it with this one just because there were these sheer drops on the three sides. So they really only had to defend one side of the castle. Which definitely would make it much easier from a defense
1: standpoint.
0: Of course, unfortunately, at this time, it is in ruins. I don't think there's anything they can do to restore it. It is probably half the structure it used to be, if even. So it's it's pretty damaged, and there's a lot of areas that are blocked off that you're not supposed to go past the chain. But of course, as we know, urban explorers are not very good about following that rule, so uh, the camera did uh, end up in some places that you normally would not see, and it's pretty creepy in some of the dark spaces. I bet. In 1392,
1: Stiber from Stibotus took ownership of the castle, and he at one time owned up to 15 castles. In 1569, the Nadasi family became owners. We will discuss more about them in a moment. The army of Frangishek Rokowski II burned the castle in 1708. Repairs were made so that the castle could be transformed into a jail. It burned once again, and in 1772, the castle manor house burned as well. The entire complex then deteriorated. An interesting fact about the town of Chiquita is that it has been considered a town at one time, but was downgraded to a village. We had not realized there was a difference.
0: No, I've always used town and village interchangeably, but apparently I don't know what makes one a town and one a village. I'm assuming it must be population population. I would think possibly that or government or something. I don't know. But I always thought they were just the same thing and I've always used them interchangeably, but maybe I'm wrong doing that. Maybe a village
1: is a small town, like a town is a small city. I don't know. Sure. Who knows?
0: It was through the Nadasi family that Madame Elizabeth Bathory comes into the picture. She was born into Hungarian nobility in 1560 and given the name Ergieobet, which was anglicized to Elizabeth. She was rumored to have suffered from epilepsy and fits of rage. As a child, she would go into these fits and move like we would understand epilepsy to be. But some people don't necessarily think it was epilepsy. So I'm not sure exactly what was going on there, but uh, we don't have enough details about it. We just know she used to fly into these weird fits. Count Ferenik de Dasi was a soldier, and Bathory was married off to him in an arranged marriage at the age of 15. Before the marriage took place, she had a fling with a village peasant and became pregnant. She was hidden away in her family's castle until she gave birth to a girl who was quickly given away since this was not only scandalous, but the child's father was a peasant. There does not seem to be much of a relationship between the Count and Bathory. He was away at war for long periods of time. Some believe that he taught her torture techniques that were used in battle to get enemy prisoners to talk.
1: Countess Bathory would be bored while her husband was away and pieces of insanity seemed to creep inside her mind. In 1604, the Count passed away from illness, leaving Bathory alone in the castle. As she aged, she worried that she would lose her beauty. Wrinkles started to form at the corners of her eyes and mouth. The elasticity of her skin was fading away. For some reason, she started to embrace the idea that youth was connected to blood. Possibly she had heard tales of vampires that roamed the woods and hills of Transylvania. Vampires did not age or die as long as they had blood, and certainly the blood of young, innocent peasant girls would be the best. After all, peasants were beneath her station in life. Who would miss them? The call was put out that the castle needed lots of young servant girls and peasant families were all too happy to send their daughters off with hopes that the Countess would educate them and take good care of them. This is not what the legend of Countess Bathory would lead us to believe.
0: Madame Bathory appears to have taken enjoyment from causing pain to others. It is said she beat girls until blood ran, made incisions and pierced their bodies and used hot irons to brand and burn their skin. Needles were driven into lips and fingernails. Some servants were stripped naked, covered in water, and thrown outside into the frosty winter. During warmer temperatures, the girls were covered in honey and secured to the ground so that insects could attack them. The tales are numerous and horrific. But she did not just enjoy torturing the girls. She killed many of these servants. Some estimate as many as 650, so that she could drain their blood and bathe in it, believing that it would help her skin retain its youthful appearance. She occasionally drank the blood as well, leading many to later accuse her of being a vampire. And by today's definition of vampire, she really would have been considered to be one, even though she was not dead. Because Denise, as we know, there's a lot of modern day vampires that claim to be that, even though they're just as human and alive as you and I are. That they crave blood, whether it's because they are just weird or they have some kind of iron deficiency.
1: But was she truly the blood countess? On the 29th of September in 1610, the viceroy of Hungary, Count Thurzo, was sent with a troop of men to investigate rumors of missing servant girls at the Chiquita Castle. Elizabeth was confined for the night and servants who had served as accomplices were questioned to try and discern what exactly had happened. It is said that under torture, the accomplices told about all the horrors they had witnessed or participated in committing. The Countess was never put on trial to protect the family's name and keep the property in their hands, but she was punished. In 1611, she was walled up in a room in a tower at Chiquita Castle and left to live out the rest of her days there. There was a narrow slit where only food and water could pass through. Four years later, she was dead. She had lived to be 54.
0: One day they went and just saw her laying face down on the floor. Nobody is quite sure what ended up killing her. There's no record of why she died. Another interesting fact is that out there, there's a lot of misinformation about whether she was put on trial. She never was put on trial. They don't have any transcripts from a trial. All they have is what these accomplices apparently said. Again, under torture. So if you have people who you want to get the truth from and you're torturing them, how reliable is that? Yeah,
1: a lot of people just depends on their pain tolerance. But if if it's so much pain,
0: they're going to say whatever. Sure. And the accomplices were considered to be witches. I know of two of them for sure. And there was rumors that they were witches out there and that they not only helped to bring the girls around and help the countess with hiding what was going on, but that they actually participated in some of the murders and such. There's also rumors that there was a book that the Countess kept record of all these victims and how they know that that's why there was 650 because that's what she claimed. Where is that book today? Nowhere.
1: It disappeared.
0: So we don't have a lot of records here. And the records that we do have are from people who were put under a lot of torture in order to get some answers from them and then were later killed. Right. Well, and even in today's age, when you get a good prosecuting
1: attorney a lot of times they can badger a witness so much that they start saying things that might not be true just because of just emotional distress so could you imagine if they're actually allowed to
0: torture them as well exactly but since there is some written testimony it would seem that something did happen at the castle but these narratives seem a bit extreme to be believed I mean this kind of torture this is a sick individual if this was all true although we've Read some pretty sick accounts from that time. That is very true, especially in those dungeons and torture chambers. There were some horrible things they would do. You wouldn't expect it from a woman, though, necessarily. But they can be just as bad as the guys, definitely. If not worse. Could it be that the accomplices were pushed into declaring falsehoods because family members wanted to take the Countess's power from her? The Viceroy had tried to have her imprisoned shortly after he became Palatine. It was believed that this was because he had his eye on her wealth. King Matthias owed the Countess a lot of money, and some believe he conspired to have her framed. The lack of a trial, to me, is rather suspicious. If you believe that somebody has killed 650 innocent girls and you don't have a trial, that seems a little weird to me why you wouldn't do that. We will more than likely never know the truth. But the legend lives on and only continues to grow. Because, Denise, I'll tell you, very few programs that I've ever seen on the Blood Countess ever cover the fact that maybe she didn't kill anybody. Maybe she didn't do any of the things she, that they said that she did. Maybe she was
1: framed. Well, exactly. And especially when you start to get money and power involved, it's amazing what people will do. And what was another,
0: what was another uh, bad mark on her at this time period? She's a woman. And she's got this kind of power and money and you got this king and his family owe their family all this money. That's the best way to get rid of a debt. Get rid of the person that's the lender? Absolutely.
1: A traveller to Chiquita Castle once said, quote, With this tale fresh in our minds, we ascended the long hill and gained the castle and wandered over its deserted ruins. The shade of evening were just spreading over the valley. The bare grey walls stood up against the red sky. The solemn stillness of evening reigned over the scene, and two ravens, which had made their nest on the castle's highest towers, came towards it winging their heavy flight. And wheeling once round, each crying a hoarse welcome to the other, alighted on their favorite turret. I could have fancied them, the spirits of two crones, condemned to haunt the scene of their crimes, while their infernal mistress was expiating her murders by more wretched dooms."
0: So was that just random imaginings, or is there truth to the thought that Chiquita Castle might be haunted? Ghost Hunters International did not find any evidence of hauntings in their brief investigation, and I emphasize brief, but ask many of those who visited the ruins, and they will tell you that there is a darkness there. People who walk the ruins claim to get strange feelings in certain areas and to see shadow people. Whether these are shades of the victims or the Countess herself is unknown. Haunting shadow cats are seen, and the countess was known to have pet cats. An urban explorer recorded a weird-sounding growl when he was at the castle, but there were no other people or animals around at the time. So, Denise, that is all we have in regards to hauntings, which makes me wonder, again, if this wasn't just a bunch of made-up stuff.
1: Well, exactly, because with that, first of all, with the way that 650, that's a lot of deaths, The way that they died seems like it was completely horrific, torturous. So there's another one to have paranormal activity or having the spirits left. And there's really just not that much.
0: And she died there, too, after being walled up, basically. They did feed her at least, but she was basically walled up to die.
1: Which, you know, she probably she was already having moments of insanity, according to legend, Mm -hmm. going to her brain being walled up like that. They have already proven solitary confinement causes you to go to lose it.
0: Exactly. And we don't know the cause of her death. Did she do something to herself? So to me, this should be based on the legendary history, one of the most haunted locations on the planet. And we're not even getting a peep hardly. Some guy who thinks he heard a growl? (laughs) People who think they see shadows? I don't know. This should be just brimming with activity. You know, you look at the place that we went for the last podcast, St. Augustine Lighthouse, and that place has all kinds of stuff going on. We had people who were messaging us and tweeting at us about how they had visited there. One gentleman told me he took a picture of a shadow girl up on top of the tower that his wife was going down into the basement stairs that we talked about to go down to where Pete's area was, and she lost her footing and almost fell backward, and she literally felt somebody steadying her and helping her to get up so that she did not actually fall on the stairs. Rather than sometimes we hear ghosts pushing, this was helpful and uh, nurturing to her. We've heard other stories from people where they took weird pictures, felt things, and again, Denise and I were discussing the whole lock situation on the tower. And we listened back to the show that we had done because, you know, I always listen to make sure the sound quality is good, that everything is where it's supposed to be. And as we were listening back to the recordings that we had made, we heard our guide tell us, we didn't hear it at the time or didn't remember hearing it, but as we listened back, she'd said that lately the ghosts had been locking people in the tower. And then, Denise, we were talking about the uh, one of the guides had told us that if you push one of the buttons on the side that it would lock the door. Explain what happens when you do something like that.
1: Well, I've dealt with those locks before, and when you push the button, which at first I started thinking, did I accidentally push the button when I went out? But then I thought about it when you push the button, the handle part of the lock locks, not the deadbolt. And when the guide came back, he had to unlock the deadbolt, not the lock on the door.
0: And there was definitely, if people recall hearing... There was definitely play in the doorknob. We were turning the doorknob to try to get the door open, so something locked the deadbolt, and I am pretty positive that it was somebody playing with us that was not in this realm.
1: Yeah, but and so just kind of with that, all of that going on for—I mean—a handful of deaths. There were quite a few deaths at St. Augustine Lighthouse, but nothing compared to six hundred and fifty deaths. So all of that activity, and yet nothing at at this castle.
0: Yeah, I mean, there is searching and searching and digging and digging and Rachel was digging and we came up with again like Freya with uh Braun Castle just nothing out there really hardly at all just little bits and pieces for places that you would think would have hauntings like you wouldn't believe
1: but you know sometimes legend is Bigger than truth.
0: Indeed. <laughs> Definitely legend is larger than life most of the time. And so this one, I think, has grown beyond its realms. It's it's fun and intriguing to think of a blood countess bathing in the blood of these young girls who she's strung up and makes for a great horror movie, although I'm not really into the gore thing. But I think a lot of it is just really baloney. Well, who knows, but we'll leave it
1: to the listeners. So... Was Elizabeth Bathory the most prolific serial killer in history? Or was she betrayed and lied about? Does her restless spirit still walk on this side of the veil? Have the spirits of her victims stayed to haunt the place that they experienced inhumane treatment, torture, and death? Is Chiquita Castle haunted? That is for you to decide.
0: It definitely would be a cool place to visit. Oh, absolutely. Great pictures. Yes, yes, yes. Well, Denise, the next few podcasts are going to be in the week of Halloween. We are almost there. I know, it's just like 12 days away. So we've got uh, four more shows coming before the end of this month, and we already have surpassed our downloads for the previous month. And the day that we got our one-star review, we also got the most downloads we've gotten for the show, almost 1,400 in one day. Yin and yang. There Pretty you go. Pretty awesome, yeah. It's hard to feel bad about a one-star review when you're getting downloads like that. So we want to thank all of you for listening to the show and supporting us, particularly those of you who are our executive producers. And we want to thank you for listening to this specific episode. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. Executive producers of this episode have been Levi Drescher, Rachel Cooper, Dan Foytick, Janice Carlson, Patty Henry, Stephen Pappas, Jade Lewis, Heather Williams, Dave and Ann Student,
1: Amy Connor, Tanya Turner, Nicole Johnson, April Rogers-Crick, and Leanna Sapien. Thank you. Societies rise and society's form when the time comes one society steps forward to build a better future the wicked library kettle whistle radio Ninth story podcast prog watch
0: red horse radio the lift history goes bumble listen The
1: M-Writing Podcast. Society 13. Rebuilding Society. One podcast at a time. Check out the website at historygoesbump.com.